This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you know you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, unlike the Owls, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So there's only one thing left to say. What's everybody having? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. See you later. The Wednesday week. Five friends, one football club. And about six jokes they just repeat over and over and over and over. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Wednesday week, the Sheffield Wednesday podcast. Uh, I'm James. Apologies for sounding a bit sniffly, a bit snotty. Just had a 10-minute sneezing fit before we uh, started recording, so uh, I'm blaming it all on that. Uh, we've uh, we've we've done a yoss. We've shuffled our pack a little tonight. Um, so among the regular starters is Victoria. Hi, Vic. Good evening. I'm snotty too. I've got freshers flu, so that made a rhyme. Woo. Yeah, you work at a university. It's allowed. Um, we have Eddie. Hello. Uh, good evening, all. Um, I think if we're talking about regular starters, I, I may be the, the Ramon Palmer of, uh, of the group, but uh, it's, it's good to be here nonetheless. It's, I mean, you've already done about four times more this season than you did last season, so hey, you know. Yeah, <laughs> um, we've drafted in our super sub. I don't like using that phrase, uh, but we have uh, drafted in from the sunny climbs of Denmark. Peter Lohman is with us. Hi, Peter. Hello. How are you? Good. How how is your general health at the moment? Uh, mine's okay, but uh, got a got a young one with a, with a bit of a nasty virus, so I've been home all day mm. with him, uh, whining in my ear most of the day. So I'm on uh, I'm on my third can of Coke Zero tonight because yeah, I'm oh. a bit tired. <laughs> well, exactly what you need then right now is to spend an hour moaning about football. So without oh, yeah. further ado. Make a start, and uh, we will. We, I mean, we've got a couple of fairly incident packed games to talk about. We'll start with the Leeds game, and where else can we start than goal of the goal of the weekend, goal of the season, goal of the decade, goal of the century, Eddie? <laughs> and the funny thing is, I think you know, by the end of this week, there is a pretty decent chance that we won't even remember that one, um, because of the way that he's going at the moment, but uh. <sighs> What a way for Adam Reach to announce his return to uh, prominence in the Wednesday side. Uh, it's been a little bit of a shame for a player who was so key to everything that we did last year uh, and a player that showed that he truly had uh, that Premier League level of class 
to, uh, you know, I think it's on, it's, it's not unreasonable to suggest that his performance level had dropped. Uh, I think a lot of that was due to him being asked to do a very different job to, to how he did last year. And I think part of it is the form of Barry Bannon, who we have eulogised um, over the last few weeks. But for Adam Reach to uh, to reannounce himself and reacquaint himself to the Wednesday fans with a goal of that calibre is absolutely perfect. Um, as someone who is in a, a group chat with a group of boys uh, who are almost to a man Leeds fans, they're all based in West Yorkshire, and um, me and my, my fellow other Wednesday fan in the group get absolute pelters from um, you know fans of a club who believe they're much bigger than they are. Uh, within a second of that ball hitting the back of the net or the side of the net as it was, I was getting messages saying, Oh, it was a miss here. It was an attempt at a cross. Um, 99 times out of 100, that, that doesn't go anywhere near the goal. You know, the typical sour grape stuff. Uh, and I think if we're honest, um, for Adam Reach, I think eight times out of 10, that ball doesn't get anywhere near the net. And the Leeds fans who were, were, hold, were throwing their arms to the side and going, way right up until the point that it hit the post and went in, um, would still be shouting that now. Um, one time out of 10, Adam Reach gets that ball on target because he is an unbelievably talented player and the keeper deals with it and makes a save. And then one time out of 10, you get that result. It could not be more poetic. It was a beautiful moment and it absolutely lit up what had been up to that point. Um, a, a spirited derby, but one that lacked... I'd say a little bit of quality. Fair enough. Now, Vic, I know that you um, spent a bit of time the other day on social media watching various different angles of people in the crowd who'd um, oh, videoed yeah. the goal and, and the different. What did you decide? What your actual favourite was? Oh, I did. Oh, there were so many, weren't there? It was just, do you know what? Sometimes there are goals like that, and I feel like I'm just repeating exactly what I said about McGinn's goal. But this time it was for us. It's amazing. There are sometimes there are goals like that, that, you know, like my, I've got a friend coming around later tonight and she is not into football whatsoever. And she's the one that was quite shocked when I stood up for the McGinn goal. And I just want to show it people and be like, that is why I fucking love football. That is the whole point of me going to the football game. Like there's always, you know, you could talk someone through your match day routine and you say, you know, I love going to the pub. I love doing this. And then we always get chips and then we always do this and we always get a pint here. But goals like that just make you go, this is why football is brilliant. But yes, Joseph, yeah. there have been many, many um, angles that have been shown of this goal. Um, I'd quite like one a bit closer up of his thighs, to be honest, but, you know, whatever. Um, but my favourite has to be from the Leeds fan. And it, there's a guy on Twitter who shared it and I've retweeted it. I think it's called like Edda's 16 or something. Um, he tweets yeah. some really good stuff. Um, and it's basically from the Leeds end and them all go, oh, fuck, it's gone in. And it's absolutely class. Like, it's just, oh, brilliant it couldn't happen to a nicer team could it as well but like like Ed's just <laughs> said like for Adam Reach it's just you know this is his moment now it's like his Martin McCutcheon time and um, he is he's just <laughs> flying <laughs> he's flying I'll, isn't I bet he's using that hashtag absolutely this yeah. is his moment it's his perfect this is moment. his moment this is great <laughs> with you um, but yeah, honestly, you need to watch that angle of the goal. It is absolutely brilliant. I've retweeted it. I'll pin it to my profile so people can find it. 
I think that was officially the first Marty McCutcheon reference that we've ever had on the uh, on the Wednesday week. So uh, <laughs> you can have ten. Yes. Ten uh, house points for that. Well done. Thank um, you. How, how unbelievable is it that after after six years of doing this rubbish with fudge in most of the weeks, we've never had a Martin McCutcheon reference? I think we're slipping. <laughs> I, uh, I maybe we should do this every week. Pick an obscure ex pop star to mention next week. Michelle McManus. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Um, ex pop right. star Martin is still at the top of her game, James. <laughs> uh, I'm not. She never really covered from getting knocked down, did she, in uh, in EastEnders? Um, right, okay. The things, Other things about the goal then. So uh, there's two things that I want to mention. Uh, one is, and you're right, Vic, that, that that video from the Leeds end is brilliant. But I quite like the the main like uh, sky footage of it because it's brilliant. It just cuts to the Leeds goalkeeper at the exact moment. You just see him go, fuck. And it's just a brilliant moment, and I love that. Um, the other thing is the timing of the goal was rubbish because – um, my friend John had gone down to get half-time beers. Uh, my friend, I've got a couple of friends that sit on the other side. Neither of them were there. So I had no one to, like, randomly hug. There was no one around me at all. Everyone had gone for beer. So I did this, like, one-man kind of, you know, at school, and you pretended that you were, like, kind of kissing oh, someone with your own arms around your back. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of hugging, <laughs> hugging myself because there was no one else to go with. It I was just, like an I, amazing did you, did you not spoiled by the lack of stranger hugging. Did you? Yeah. Did you not do the the time honoured away game? I don't care who you are. I'm going absolutely mental and hugging you like you're my long lost brother. Thing. Yeah. I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd have hugged anyone to be honest. I shuffled along a little bit. John, who sits a few feet along from us, I just went. I, I went and hugged him. Um, but yeah, just for a moment, it was. It was. It was just a sad moment. I was like, I've got no one to share this with. I know there how I go. feel. um peter obviously the after the aftermath of the goal uh i mean it was brilliant but watching it back on tv you get an idea of just how kind of poignant the celebration was from adam reach yeah it's uh it's it's quite funny that you you because i didn't see that at first because i had to uh, to run down the stairs and uh console my, my little one who sleeps in the other end of the house because I'd, I'd screamed so so loudly when we, when we scored that I'd actually woken him. So I, so actually I came back and then I saw Adam Reach holding the shirt and I didn't see what it said on it uh, so I had to check up afterwards but um, it was a really nice moment. You could see just as he'd, as he'd scored he, he it was like a, a light went uh, up in, uh, beyond his eyes and he, he remembered he had to go to the uh, to the bench and get get that shirt to uh, to get that uh, to, to get that uh, homage in for uh, for for Fisher's um, uh, wife, who who sadly uh, passed away uh, this uh, this past week, um, and I think that just builds the uh, the myth that is uh, Adam Reach up even further because he he's got that look of uh, I don't know if you made like a um, like a, a World War Two two movie with uh, some some sort of a dashing looking uh, Englishman who who would uh, who'd swoon all the American ladies. You you probably pick someone like Adam Reach with the he's even got decent teeth for, for an Englishman, um, <laughs> and he's got that he's got that film star look to him. Uh, sort of what? And, and he's even got decent teeth for an Englishman. Amazing. Yeah, he does. And and I mean, it just he's 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 obviously a nice looking fella, but he's he's also. Uh, Judging from this and from from how often he actually goes to um, the children's hospital and, and does doing other community stuff, uh, he he's, he seems like a, a a good guy as well uh, and someone who really takes it seriously. Being a personal footballer, it's not just playing on the pitch and scoring these amazing goals, but it's also uh, 
being part of the fa fabric of the club. And and uh, I mean, he's he's even absent these uh, these goals, he, he's well on his way to, to becoming a, a legend in his own right uh, in, in the Wednesday uh, folklore uh, in, in my mind. And and these moments, especially after the goal, just adds to that um, in my mind. He's different, isn't he? In a um, in, in a very very macho kind of uh, you know trade, and um, he's a, a very very talented player. But he seems to have this real vulnerability about him, doesn't he? That he's um, yeah. I think sometimes maybe maybe his, his skin is a little bit too thin, and you feel like maybe any criticism that he he has weighs on him a little bit. But he clearly has a um, an emotional side. He wears his heart on his sleeve, not in a Stuart Pearce psycho kind of manner, but in in quite a, you know an open and like I say, vulnerable way. And it's quite unusual to see that in a in a player, um, and quite refreshing in well, a way, isn't it? If you look Very at his social so. media, he seems to talk about like suicide awareness and male mental health and stuff quite a lot as well. So yeah. I think. Like, as if he just couldn't get any better. Like he's just he's a doll as well, isn't he? He's just. Oh, Adam, I'm going to rejoin Tinder and drop it down to 24 again, I swear to God. <laughs> we managed 11 minutes without a Tinder reference there. Well done. Um, right. I've already thrown out Martin McCutcheon, so... Fair enough. Uh, that's all the really good, positive, nice stuff uh, done and uh, dusted. Now let's, uh, let's talk about the rest of it. So, um, Eddie... Were you getting as frustrated as the majority of the crowd at Hillsborough with our futile attempts to play out from the back, particularly second half? Yeah, and it's it, it might be a little bit churlish because one of the things that we have really struggled with throughout this season, and, 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 and certainly early on, was one of the uh, the things that stood out as to why we weren't winning games, why we weren't getting results, why we weren't having periods of dominance, is that our possession statistics were so low. Um, and so I understand the idea of trying to uh, retain possession, uh, probe, uh, you know, get get quality touches and, and, and move in quite a stoic fashion up the field rather than, than look to hit on the break. But then you look at what the result is, and actually it seems that um, much like the first year under Carlos, teams are playing much more openly against us than they have done the last season or two. And so maybe the more direct, um, you know, soaking up and playing on the break, not looking to monopolise possession, but looking to, to use uh, possession in a quality manner when we do get it and hit on the break and use pace... Uh, you know, maybe that is the way to play again this year. It seems like against Leeds, we you know we had worked out to get one step ahead of the opposition, and against Leeds, we almost started to believe our own hype again. Um, and and that possession game, that patient build-up play, didn't seem to work particularly. And it's something that Jos really has to, I think, decide not on a game by game basis. I think he needs to decide what sort of philosophy he. Once, you know, because right now we seem we seem to be caught between, a, let's be honest, a Tesco value version of the way Liverpool play and a Tesco value version of the way Man City play, and you don't fall between those two stools, especially when the stools are both sold in Tesco in the value range. On, on the flip side, you could say that the, there's a great deal of flexibility in, in the way we approach games, so we can actually set up uh, in a way that that cancels out some of the advantages the the, the opposition have. And Leeds are 
very different to most, if not all, the teams we're going to play this season because of the philosophy that definitely have uh, because of uh, Bielsa. Um, and and the way you play against a team that, that like that that four press so uh, so aggressively that like, like these two is especially is, is exactly as you say playing playing around that pressure because there's lots of space behind them. Um, and the problem against Leeds was we we didn't keep the ball very well when we we played it quite quickly vertically up the pitch, but when we when we when we got the ball in, in the midfield or even up um, with the strikers, um, we didn't keep the ball very well and and and. The players weren't close enough together to to uh, to make those uh, counter-attacking moves uh, as well as they should have, and it's quite frustrating to see. Um, um, so I'm I'm not really I'm not really sure we we caught between two two styles of play. I, I think it's conscious a conscious move by by Lukai to to have our team be able to play different ways, but uh, we have to stick to the plan we we uh, we, we set out to do, and uh, and obviously you can change the plan during the game, but it didn't seem like. Uh, Lukai consciously wanted it to change during the game. So, so the problem is if the team doesn't stick to the plan they've, they've agreed on during the game and, and the great game that, uh, game plan that, that Lukai tells them to, to play along, uh, um, from, from the sidelines. Um, so that's, that's, that's probably the thing I'd pick up on, uh, the, the lack of, uh, tactical discipline. Uh, Peter, some excellent points there, but I have to um, just call you out and point out the fact that we now only talk about Sheffield Wednesday uh, in terms of um, Tesco value and uh, <laughs> relations to Premier League clubs. That's the only kind the, of analysis. The Aldi, um, the Aldi top five of the week vegetables for 85p. Yeah. <laughs> if we wanted insightful analysis, Peter, we'd have called you before today. Let's be honest. Yeah. Probably true. Probably true. <laughs> okay, let's 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 talk a bit more then about kind of the overall performance because there's been quite a bit said about it, and I think there's been quite a bit of disagreement among Wednesday fans about it. Um, Vic, what was your take on kind of overall how we played on Friday night? Do you know what? I was really happy. I've been happy for the last few games now. I think, um, well, the last two games. Um, I think we played brilliantly. I think we matched up to a team that you know. They're pushing for automatic promotion. It looks like they're probably going to get it if we look at the table now, but obviously it's not even Christmas yet. Um, but yeah, I think I think we matched up to them well. I don't think, I think in a way, and I don't really know how to phrase this without sounding like a hypocritical twat, but like I hate leads because they're dirty, horrible leads. Actually, they were a bit disappointed on the night. There wasn't a lot of fight in them. Um, they didn't seem that bothered about breaking a few legs. I think. You know, there was the odd moment, but it wasn't like the leads of old. You know, Brian Clough would be turning, wouldn't he? It'd be furious. Um, but it was, I think we played brilliantly. I can't fault, you know. Um, I think it was a great game. I think we made a few silly mistakes here and there. But other than that, I think if we can take that and we can take the West Brom game afterwards as a sign of what's to come, then I'm quite happy. It's really interesting listening to you say that because... I came away on, on, on Friday night, and, and granted, it was a Friday night game. It was Leeds, so you know I had a few beers. Um, not that that's any different to any other game, to be fair, but um, I, I came away thinking, you know what? I mean, Leeds dominated in terms of possession, particularly in the second half, but I thought, you know what? I don't think there was any point we particularly looked under danger, and I was quite happy with uh, a lot of the way that we um, that we played. Now, I, I, I listened to um, the Al's AmeriCast, who absolutely slated our performance, and I thought, "Hang on, we're watching the same game because I don't, I don't, I don't think we were that bad." Um, 
And and you know, Paddy over in New York was was kind of saying that you know he thought it was as, as bad, if not worse, than the Brentford performance and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and I thought we played all right. Um, Eddie, Peter, what what do you reckon? I'm probably more on the uh, the Els Americas team. Uh, I don't think the performance uh, warranted uh, the point we got from that game. Um, and to be quite honest, if it hadn't been for Reach's um, wonder strike, uh, we didn't really have anything that threatened them. Um, Leeds definitely looked like a team that had a bit of a uh, collective off day. Uh, they still managed, I think it was 25 shots on goal. And uh, and uh, sorry to introduce the term again, expected goals were quite high against us. So they penetrated us um, every time they wanted to. Uh, and, and you don't want that, definitely. Um, so it's more it's more us riding our luck than, than us playing well, uh, in my mind. And I mean, if you look at what... What, how, how do you predict what happens in, in the future games? Uh, the results of the game is, is a worse yardstick than, than the performance of the game. And I think the performance of the game wasn't that promising in, in, in my mind. Um, but again, it, it was against Leeds. It's definitely going to be one of the best, best performing teams this season. I'm not sure they're going to last all season because Bielsa's teams uh, often uh, level off during the season because of the, the high demands he put on, put on them physically. But, but this, is, this was... A really good team that had an, a bit of an off day, and we just about matched them uh, organization-wise. But we still gave up way too many chances against them, considering how many we're actually defending with. Um, so that's a worry for me. That even when we put such a big bonus on defending, um, we, we still can't stop uh, teams uh, from 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 getting chances and big chances as well. Um, so um, I, I, I can definitely see this game as uh, being one where where opinions uh, differ quite significantly. I wonder I if, if the Sky fans... TV coverage was just such that it just makes it look like we played really badly or something. It seems to be that people that were at the game were relatively, you know, all right with it. People that watched it on TV thought we were rubbish. I can't believe that um, that Wednesday fans who were watching it live um, didn't see the same as what Wednesday fans watching it on Sky were seeing, certainly in the last 20 minutes, where I, I think, uh, Peter's point that we didn't adapt to the demands of the match as it, as it evolved, um, we really failed to deal with the changes that were made uh, by Leeds later on. And we didn't successfully um, replace players who were quite clearly flagging. There was an awful lot of, um, of Leeds pressure that didn't need to, you know, to, to come into um, our box, certainly down the right flank later on in the match. Um, so I, I'm, I'm with Peter. I don't think it was a, a good, uh, I don't think we executed, um, against either the game plan that we initially had. And certainly we didn't adapt to uh, the changing circumstances as the game went on. Um, and I think that was as, as bad a Leeds performance in terms of their execution, certainly in the final third, uh, you know, that, that their fans will have seen all season. And I think, I think when it comes down to it, we'll look back and say that we, we dodged a bullet because um, mo- on most other performances, uh, you know, Leeds, Leeds would have absolutely hammered us. And you look at the, 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 the quality of the performance that Leeds put in against Middlesbrough a few weeks ago, um, and that was a, a, a much better performance from Leeds. Uh, they got away with a, a 0-0 draw against a Borough side that could deal with everything that Leeds threw at them through different phases of the game. Um, I think we were very, very lucky and actually thankful to Dawson um, for doing an awful lot to uh, to prevent Leeds from going on and winning the game. 
Well, you miserable shitbags. I thought we were all right. Um, tell you what, though, I was, ab- <laughs> I was absolutely fuming after the game. Uh, and it's got nothing to do with what happened on the pitch. And uh, I've not quite decided whether I direct my anger at Leeds United as an entity or Sky for the absolutely fucking ridiculous decision to play that game on a Friday night. I must admit, I've not really looked up exactly what happened off the pitch on Friday. I'm sure there's been news coverage about it. Um, All I know is that, as any fan that was at the game will know, is that it was announced a few times during the game that there were no trams running after the match. For the reason that there'd been, I I think, several incidents uh, involving away supporters on the trams on their way to um, on their way to Hillsborough, uh, which involved a few trams. I think a couple of trams getting smashed up. There was talk about a, a tram that was uh, set on fire by some Leeds fans. I, I've not looked into it since because it'll just piss me off, and I don't want to read about it. So I've I've, I've kept away from it and and avoided it. But um, I was quite lucky because I was staying out anyway, so it didn't really make a lot of difference. It had quietened down by the time I um, I had to kind of mess around getting a, a, a taxi. And I believe the trams did start running again something like 11 p.m. So um, it's not a lot of use for people that are leaving Hillsborough at like half nine or quarter to ten that they'd be stuck for um, for a while with, with no way of getting, um, getting home. But um, I'm just going to – I just want to summarise this bit by just saying – Leeds fans, what an absolute bunch of wankers, aren't they? There's just no other way of putting it. Absolute throwback, dickhead. It's still the 1970s and 80s. Uh, we have a huge away following, and so we're gonna we're gonna ruin your town. We're gonna ruin your city. Uh, they they have it internalized in them that they are you know no one likes us we don't care we all hate lead scum sung ironically you know he's one of our own jimmy savile all of that shit um individually there are many very very lovely fans of leeds united collectively they are the worst fans in the league and i don't think that anyone really can can have a fact based argument against that statement do you know the thing that really annoys me is because, because obviously, like I mean, three of us sit in the north stand, um, and I come out at the Leppings Lane end after a match, um, and I have never ever been to an away game, especially a night match or a match that there might have been some dodgy activity outside. I have never been let out at the same time as the home fans, and every single time we play a team. Any team, whether it be Mansfield in a friendly or Leeds United on a Friday night when people are pissed and ready for a fight, I have never seen them held back. And it is absolutely ridiculous. And I've called South Yorkshire Police out on this a few times and the club. And I think this is an accident waiting to happen. So on Friday night, I held back a bit because... um, as James said, we were going out for a few drinks, so I wanted to take my Wednesday shirt off and just keep my T-shirt on because I didn't want any trouble. And I still came out. And I had to... The Leeds fans were being led down Leppings Lane, down my road, actually, towards uh, Penniston Road. And I had to try... The Wednesday fans were being led up towards Middlewood Road. So there's instantly a problem there where you're trying to cross fans over but avoid a problem. It uh, just unbelievable, absolutely ridiculous. You either keep in one set of fans for five minutes, or you just you just don't have an exit where the fans clash. It was stupid. It was absolutely stupid. 
And it's just, it happens week on week on week, whether it's Millwall, like I said, whether it's, I don't know, Matlock Town, whoever, we always seem to do it and it shouldn't be happening. It should be a case of just, they knew the trams weren't on, so they knew there were going to be 5,000 Leeds fans just stuck around Hillsborough for the next few hours. Why not get rid of the Wednesday fans, get us out, get us clear, get us away? Why Why on earth did we think it was a good idea to let both fans cross over? I mean, I, I didn't see any trouble. I've got no doubt in my mind that there was trouble. Um, I was quite fortunate that I didn't see any and ironically had to hold up the Wednesday shirt that I'd removed to be able to get up to fucking Middlewood Road. But it just does my head in and it's just an accident waiting to happen. And as a football club and as a stadium, do we really need to be running that risk for the sake of saying... Away fans, you're being held back for five minutes after a game. It happens to us at every sodding away game. Why doesn't it happen here? I'm sorry, it really annoys me. <laughs> no, you make a really good point because uh, it's not that long ago. I remember the days when you'd just be kind of sat there during the match and the announcement would go out over the North Stand saying that you could only leave via the exits onto Penniston Road, not the ones onto Leppings Lane. That, that, yeah, that used to happen quite a bit. Um, and yet they, they the put same, in that kind is... of flimsy barrier. Um, yeah. And even, I think, even the Sheffield United game last season, both sets of fans were able to, to leave At via the same, time. the same exit. And you, are, you do get that crossover because the Wednesday fans tend to kind of go, you, know, you want to kind of cut across the where the away fans are mm-hmm. coming from and you go up there. Um, and, and back up towards the kind of the, 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 the crossroads. Um, I also, and, I disagree and you do, with it, it is a flashpoint. I, I disagree with the fact that we always get told, oh, there's no exit via Leppins Lane. Piss off, it's our stand. Just hold them in for five minutes. That's all it takes. <laughs> it's, it's not happened not for years, has it? They don't do it anymore. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. It you know why? It's a major, major accident waiting to happen. It all changed when Mr. Meadows uh, stopped working at the ground. I don't know. I don't know why that happened, but it was always fine. Mr. Meadows left, and it's all gone to shit. Brilliant. So that's a Martin McCutcheon and a Mr. Meadows reference. We are doing well so far tonight. Uh, right then, before we put the uh, the Leeds game to bed and uh, move on, um, any other points about it? Anything that anyone else wanted to get across? Okay, quick uh, show of hands. Um, Vic, I'll come to you first. Would you have taken a point before the game? 110% yes. Eddie? Yes, absolutely. Peter? Yes. Okay. Uh, that's that's good. I would too. I would too. So I know, you know, we've had a bit to whinge about in there. Ultimately, we took a point from a game that we'd be happy to take a point from. Uh, Right, let's move on then to Wednesday night and the visit of West Brom, who at the time, I think, were top of the table or maybe they'd just dropped down. I think because of games on Tuesday, they'd just dropped down a couple of pieces. Uh, But, you know, there or thereabouts, another top of the table um, team. And where do we start? Probably talking about Adam Reach's second best goal of the week. Uh, Peter, a bit of a different goal, but it was another cracker, wasn't it? Yeah, and, th- and this time you can see it. There's a, some brilliant footage of him uh, up close where you can, we can see he actually looks to the corner where he's hit, going to hit the ball and he it just hits it there. It's, it's almost like a Jedi Master or something like that. He's just capable of moving the ball like that. <laughs> and he's he's always very humble uh, in his post-match interviews and saying, oh, well, I just went for it and unfortunately uh, and, and it went into in where I wanted to hit it. But if you look at, especially if you got the angles from behind the, the shot, 
the way he controls the swerve of the ball is, it's, I mean, you have to go to someone like, uh, like Cristiano Ronaldo or something, someone like that to, to see this, the similar sort of movement of the ball in the, in the air. It's, it's, it's quite uncanny. Um, and you don't see a lot of footballers being able to do that, uh, at will anyway. Um, and yeah, and it's, it was just, it was, it was just one of those goals again where, 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 where you, you take about two or three seconds after it goes in, it's like, Bloody hell! He scored, and and it's uh, you almost forget to celebrate because it, you 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 don't. I mean, we're getting used to him scoring goals like that, but but um, you don't expect those shots to go in. It's, I mean, we've we've last season, uh, Ross Wallace had about twenty of those shots that went about twenty yards wide, each of them or over the goal. Um, so it, it's just it's just weird that 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 he keeps scoring them, and and um, I think it's a statistic that is only uh, from the beginning of. Um, of this season, uh, sorry, last season, it's only uh, Ruben Neves from uh, from Wolves who scored more goals from outside the box than uh, than Reach. Um, so, it's the the whole uh, fluke debate has definitely been put to bed, hasn't it? Uh, he's just, as I said, it's it's uh, it's like a, a Jedi moving the, the ball in the air with, the, with his mind almost. Yeah, it was a uh, it was another absolute cracker. Quite interesting that the Leeds goal fell just inside September. The West Brom goal fell just inside October, so technically there would be separate months for him to uh, to win goal of the month. Um, slightly less impressive in a lot of ways, but still equally valuable uh, was the goal from Fernando Forestieri to put us two 0 up. Um, Eddie, what was your reading of this one? If Adam Reach is Anakin Skywalker and is um, you know, the most talented of the Jedi, uh, then he has learnt at the teat of Ati Nuiu is the Obi-Wan Kenobi of uh, our team. Um, I want you to look at the build-up to that goal and see how many players Ati attracted with his run um, with the ball before he put the ball across. He took four and possibly five players out of the game um, because they know that he is absolutely lethal, um, beautiful, he smells great, he has good personal hygiene, um, and so they knew that they had to um, to deal with what he was bringing. Uh, he put that ball across, which was a perfect pinpoint cross. It was dealt with by the one defender who hadn't been drawn to his animal magnetism, um, and luckily that defender dealt with it in a very, very terrible fashion because uh, it was a, a poor header out. Um, Fernando Forestieri, who you may remember um, previously, has been our best player for spells. Um, he got hold of the ball, uh, ferreting around in the box in a very un-Fernando-like manner, to be honest, because we don't normally see him playing that role. Um, and uh, the one thing I would say is that he dispatched it Brilliantly, there was um, there was a minute there where I kind of held my breath and thought he's going to snatch at this. He's out of form. These are the sort of chances you miss when you're not absolutely bang at it. Um, but he lashed it home. Uh, that goal does not happen without the the run that Atty makes and um, his imposing physical presence, uh, almost like a gravitational pull to defenders. Um, so I'm giving that goal to Atty. And if there was an assist of the season, uh, then he would be getting my vote. OK, so a good goal for um, Fernando Forestieri. Uh, 
He should have had a second though, shouldn't he? He should have put uh, the his his chance in the Got second it. half away to make it to make it three nil. Vic, talk us through this oh. one. I know you you'd gone by this point, hadn't you? So you saw had, it in all yeah. its glory on TV. I did, yeah. Um, I'm suffering big time with freshers flu at the moment, as you can probably tell by the fact that I sound like Zach Dingle. Um, but yeah, I had to leave at half time. I was uh, I was stood talking to my mate and suddenly realised I was about to faint and it, <laughs> had to go home. Luckily, I live so close that I managed to catch the whole bastard second half on Sky. Um, no, it was just, ugh. it was just, ugh. I mean, he should be finishing though, shouldn't he? And I hate, I hate to pick on players. I do, and I, especially Fessy because I love the guy. I, I would give him my babies, let alone have his. Um, but he, yeah, that should have. Uh, I just bring it back to the fact every time I always say, if that had been New Hugh or if that had been anybody else, we'd be going up in arms. But the fact that it's Fessy who gets away with it, which, you know, there's a reason he gets away with it. It's because he's as good as he is. But yeah, that should have been 3 0 and that should have been the game almost buried. Um, yeah, what can you say? It, it wasn't, was it? That's, that's why we watch football. If every goal that we thought was going to go in did, then it'd be a pretty shitty, boring game. So. Just to be yep. the the boring stats guy on this, um, if you look at the uh, and I mentioned the, the term expected goals before, it's it's a way of saying that how 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 likely is this shot to be a goal? Um, then Fernando Forrestier's chances are actually only a, a 50-50. Uh, I know it sounds weird because we always think of these uh, chances so close to goal as as being someone uh, as being as uh, a shot he has to score, but but um, just. I'm, I'm not trying to defend him anything. I'm just saying that that uh, it probably looks a lot easier than, than than it was. And if you if you run all the other for the last twenty years, if you run all the shots that have been um, in a similar situation with the, alone with the goalkeeper in, in that situation where Fernando was there from from all other uh, players, then only uh, only fifty percent of the of the shots go actually going to the goal. So just as a a bit of a a balance uh, to uh, to the annoyance that I I, I definitely also felt uh, on the night. Uh, good start, but he definitely should have scored. Um, and at three <laughs> nil, I mean, at three nil, it is game set and match, isn't it? I, I cannot see any team being able to come back from um, from 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 three nil. Even at two nil, we kind of had this feeling, and and I I, I made the mistake and. Um, Peter, I apologise for the fact that I did this to you. That I, I texted you early in the second half, didn't I? And said, "What's the what's the longest that we've gone before conceding this season? What's the longest we've hung on to a clean sheet?" Um, kind of thinking as it, you know, as the clock ticked away, thinking it's actually going to happen. We're going to keep a clean sheet, um, and then of course the collapse and. Um, it started. What was it? Eighty-six minutes was it when um, when they scored the their their first goal? And my first thought was, "Damn yeah. it, that's the clean sheet gone." Um, and uh, it all comes about after a triple substitution from West Brom. They changed things around a bit. I mean, uh, the, the, some serious, you know, fa- fairly enough, some aging quality, but certainly some serious quality that they were able to bring off the bench. Um, some some real kind of level-headed, really experienced players that they um, that they brought on, and um, I, it was all it almost felt inevitable, didn't it? That as soon as the first one went in, and it was kind of like this is such a Wednesday thing to do. Uh, the second goal followed. Now, there's a lot being said about this, and 
I've I've got I have got to mention the fact that there were clear errors made in the build up to that goal. No one likes a cheat. No, surely not. But, but Joey Pellipesi, just take the yellow card. He 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 clearly should he should have just grabbed just bring him down. Um and, and when you've just conceded, um then it's just it's such a logical thing to do. I think you know, I've seen so many people on Twitter just saying Sam Hutchinson would just have taken him out. You know, he'd, he'd have taken, he'd, he'd, he'd have actually found it funny. You know, he wouldn't have given a toss. Um, and I think that they're, they're, they're fair points. I think the whole kind of defending for that whole move was, was, was pretty shocking. Um, and y- y- your goalkeeper shouldn't be getting beaten at their near post like, um, like that. What I'm going to say, um, and I had some arguments with people after the match about this is that, I don't think it's fair to blame any one of those individuals and say it's their fault because we've already talked about the fact that we should have been 3-0 up. Fernando Forestieri should put that chance away. No one's blaming him for um, for that. We made some dubious substitutions that we'll, we'll come on to that didn't, didn't particularly seem to aid us in terms of seeing the game out. Um, and, you know, we win as a team, we lose as a team. And in this instance, we draw as a team. And um, it was as a team that we somehow managed to... Um, to throw that result um, away. Does anyone else feel the need to have a bit of a rant about anything involved in that last four minutes of the game? Now is the time to no, get it's it off. Just my... it, there's, a, there's a question as, um, I think we all agree, that this is a professional game and, and you know cheating, unfortunately, is part of it. There is gamesmanship involved. Um, I think that that final move that led to the equaliser showed a lack of leadership. I think there needed to be one Wednesday player, like you say, like a Sam Hutchison, who would step up and take that booking. Take even a red card if need be. You prevent that goal happening by whatever means. Um, And it felt like not one of those players, and there were four players who were close enough to to make a challenge, even a completely diabolical challenge, uh, and nobody grasped the nettle. You know, that to me says there isn't someone who is, you know, is willing to, to to put their head above the parapet, to, you know, to kind of lead a team out of the trenches and, and into no man's land. And that in a way is worrying. I'm not, I'm not a big one for the rabble rousing. I think it's, a, it's about setting up a team and executing against the plan. But at that point, then you need somebody to basically get a big old sack of bollocks on the table and say, I'm going to be the one to take this game by the scruff of the neck. And and that nobody did leaves a little bit of a sour taste in the mouth for me. It's it's interesting because I think for the first time this season uh, in Michael Hector, we actually saw someone directing defend, uh, the defence really well during yeah, the game. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and he's, he's, he, 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 I mean, Lees was a different player in, in, in parts of, I, I mean, I, I still think he's our worst central defender this season, but um, that's controversial, I know, but... He he got better as well. I because think that's controversial that, that at all. I hundred percent agree with that. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. Um, but I mean, Michael Hexer, he he uh, he. If you look at what what we were up against, uh, Jay Rodriguez and uh, and, and Gale, uh, the two of the best strikers in in the uh, in the division, and then you have uh, a lot of experience behind them, and you have uh, you have the uh, Barnes uh, that got on loan from from Leicester, who's going to be a really good player. So we unfortunately saw later. So, so it was not an easy task for a defence to, to, to defend against uh, which promise. But I think Hector was, was a key part in, in, in us for 85 minutes, uh, looking more solid defensively than we've probably done all season. Uh, and then it's even more disappointing then that, that we collapsed the way we did and, and, and no one got... I mean, it was, it was like Burson again, wasn't it? Just following the, the run and, and st- standing around uh, 
looking at all in the uh, on the opposition player uh, with with the ball and, and waiting for him to to hit the ball into the back of the net. Yeah, it's just oh dear. What about we 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 touched on the subject just for a second there of of substitutions. Um, uh, Peter, what was your take on this? Because I thought that the substitutions that we made didn't really aid us. Uh, didn't really aid the team in just kind of seeing out a a, a win. Zhao for Nuiu, what what was your take on it? I think yeah, a, a lot of people have I've seen a lot of people pick up on it. Um, it makes sense in the in the. Uh, in the, if the idea was to stretch the game, um, because obviously which Romans were chasing the game at that point when when uh, when Xiao came on, Xiao was a lot faster than New Hill, so you'd be able to with Bruce Brom having the defensive line pushed up quite a lot. There'd be a lot of space behind the defensive line, so you could hit longer balls behind the the defensive line and make Xiao run onto them. We didn't actually do that, um, so for me it's it's not about the substitution; it's more about how we used the substitution and how we used the player that came on instead of New Hill because. We could have continued playing uh, as we did with New Hill, uh, have a, a target man who kept the ball and, and put Fletcher on instead. Sure, we could have done that. But what um, what Nuka was trying to do, actually, in my mind, made sense. Um, it just didn't come off because the balls we hit towards Shao were, were towards his feet. And when we tried to hit it over the top, it, it was uh, it was towards the uh, towards the wings instead of uh, during down, down the centre. Um, and there was really a lot of space there, and you, you'd seen uh, both uh, uh, Dawson and uh, Higashi from from West Bromwich making big mistakes during the game. So, so they were shaky at the back. So for me, it made sense. The, the, obviously, the substitution that that uh, Riles is as um, Kirby coming on instead of Onoma. I think Onoma had to go off because of an eye injury. Um, so I, I don't think you can keep Onoma on, who's actually excellent uh, during most of the game. Um, but Kirby, if you look at the bench. Um, who else would you have put on? I mean, we don't really have a seasoned professional to put on the pitch uh, in that position. So the only other thing you could have done probably would have been to push Hector into midfield instead of a, an old man, then to put on uh, Thornley um, as, a, as, a, as a third defender instead of Hector. That might have been the, the better option. Um, but I, th- it's, I think too much emphasis has been put on the substitutions we made um, as, as a defining moment of this game. I don't think... If we'd kept Nui on, if if we had been able to keep a norm on, that we 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 necessarily would have uh, that would that would have decided the game uh, to, to our advantage. Um, I don't think it's as clear cut as that because it's not Kirby and it's not Shao that that don't defend that. It's not uh, those two players who don't bring down uh, Barnes uh, running through our, our defensive lines. So I think it's a bit the wrong way around to, to look at it in my mind. Okay, Eddie, the internationally renowned voice of reason that you are, um, take a step back from all the the different things that happened over the course of the game. Overall, what was Sheffield Wednesday's performance like? If we, uh, I think we agree that the lead result masked um, a subpar performance. I think the disappointment of the draw um, against West Brom masked what was. An overall excellent performance. I think uh, the vast majority of our team came out and gave a good account of themselves. Um, I thought it was very, very encouraging to see, uh, even in the absence of Barry Bannon, um, a strong showing in the middle of the park. I thought Anoma and Pelipesi were both um, fantastic uh, playing through the midfield. I don't have too much to complain about. And I, I think that West Brom 
are a quality team, and as we've said, have very, very experienced heads in there who know how to finish out a game. And, and maybe we lack a little bit of that in the final analysis. Um, yeah, I, I can argue till I'm blue in the face that we shouldn't have conceded the second goal. Does that take away from, an, from a performance that deserved a victory? Um, no, not if we're actually trying to analyse what this means for the rest of the the rest of the campaign. So, no, I thought it was a very encouraging performance. I thought it was um, it was up there amongst our best in terms of a, a, a level of quality from all eleven. And I don't think there are too many players who you can honestly point to and say you let the side down either in individual moments. Um, but certainly not in the context of of the uh, the shift that they all put in. I I thought it was it was up there, and it's just one of those games where it didn't go our way in the final analysis. Okay, so um, same show of hands here as we did for the Leeds game, and uh, Vic, I'm going to ask you this first. Overall, West Brom at home, is it a good point? It's if you'd have asked me that at five o'clock. The other night, yes, 100% brilliant point. Um, absolutely gutted to have lost the two points that I do. I completely agree with you guys. I think I think we played outstanding. I think we were absolutely brilliant. Um, and even, even the two goals that we conceded right towards the end, it was so frustrating because I really don't think we deserved that. Um, but yeah, I'd have taken a point 100%. But I'd have rather had three, obviously. Obvs. Uh, Peter, would you have taken a point? Uh, as, as Vic said, before the game, definitely. Um, and, I mean, again, we actually made West Bromwich look uh, quite ordinary, um, which we should actually, uh, uh, yeah, recognise and credit ourselves with uh, because we've not actually been able to to contain a, a good team like that. And, and West Bromwich are really good going forward. Uh, and as we saw at the game, they're, they're, not, they're quite suspect uh, at the back like like we are. Uh, but at, at definitely at a, at a higher level than than we are. Um, so so for me, it's I mean we 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 got lucky against Leeds with a point. We got lucky against Stoke with a point. Um, this time we lost two points. I mean over the season these things tend to even themselves out. Fair point. Um, I'd have taken a point, Eddie. Would you take the point? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. From at the start of play, uh, even even at two to up. A point is a good performance and a good result against that team. I've got one other point that I want to make. This is not just about the West Brom game. It's about both the games. And um, uh, Vic, Eddie, forgive me for a second here as I slightly space out into uh, FFP special mode with Peter. I'm sure I'm sure that Peter will agree with me when I just make the point that let's just say in the summer... That you know, we we need to make some money quick. The there is nothing bad Adam about Reed. the fact that Adam no, Reach has no, probably no, no, has probably no, put no, about no. five million pounds on his value in the case of one weekend, hasn't he? Oh, definitely. Uh, both Adam Reach and uh, and Matt Penny have showed up in value, so so there there are definitely more options now in the summer um, uh, regarding how we're gonna gonna go about this, um, and we. I mean, the hope was always that we we discover someone like someone uh, like uh, like they did in the other side of town with, with Brooks last season and, and be able to sell 
so there are only one, maybe two players uh, in the summer, and 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 be over and done with, and be able to to rebuild. Um, and it's it's definitely shaping up up that way. But I I agree with uh, Victoria. I wouldn't sell Reach um, because of the the future he has for the club, and he only appreciating value. So it, it also from a business point of view, it makes it doesn't make any sense to sell him because there's every every likelihood that he'll he'll appreciate even more in, in value after next um, after the season is over. I don't disagree with that. I would make the point that I fully expect in 12 months' time Adam Reach to be playing in the Premier League. Um, and, and do you know what? I'm Someone pointed it out earlier. I'm confident um, that we'll be promoted, so make of that what you will. Somebody pointed it out on, I think it was an Owls talk, I read it, um, just saying that, you know, if if we're not going anywhere, do we take a hit? Do we take some money? And do we give him the career that he deserves? And actually, you know what? Sometimes you have to sit back and go, this guy's fucking brilliant. Like, he should be playing in the Premier League. I would love to watch goals like that on Match of the Day. Um, but I, obviously, I want it to be with us. But, yeah, I get it. <laughs> no, hang on, wait a minute. Hang on. Play, players have agents for that I reason. I know, but... Yeah? We are Sheffield Wednesday fans. We care about Sheffield Wednesday. As much as I like Adam Reach, I don't I don't want him to have a glorious career away from Sheffield Wednesday, like we're we're some poor relation and he could do so much better. No, I want him I want him to take us there with him. I do, I do. No, bollocks. I don't care. If you're if you're a if you're a player that that is too good for Wednesday, then we, you know, another club will come in and make an offer that we can't refuse financially. But don't don't ask for our sympathy. Oh, you're stuck <laughs> at Wednesday being brilliant when you it's could be playing. It's not actually him that posted it on Al's daughter. No, are you sure? Because I don't know. Sometimes with Reach, I bet I bet he's got a couple of accounts on there. It's probably his dad. Um, is this because he's from Middlesbrough, Eddie? <laughs> Some deep-rooted <laughs> hatred. No, don't. No, no, no. Yeah, you know, you know what? I've um, I don't know if anyone's watched the uh, this is Red Car um, documentary series on uh, on the BBC recently. <laughs> that most people are like, oh, isn't it lovely? You know, the, the, this great you know working class community, and they've been hard done to, etc. No, you're a bunch of smoggies. Get used to it. <laughs> uh, right, come on, let's uh, let's move on from uh, from the West Brom game, and uh, well, let's move on from our um, quote unquote analysis of the week that has uh, has gone. Uh, this is the Wednesday week sponsored by the Riverside Cafe and uh, as as you full well know we have Peter with us tonight. Now it's a bit of a rarity that we have Peter on the uh, podcast. So um Peter I want to sound you out about a few things. Now I've I've made the point before about the fact that you are kind of, you know, Mr. Stat to me. Um, if I need to know something about Sheffield Wednesday, you're the person that I'll come to, uh, to ask because, um, you obviously spend, you know, quite a bit of your, um, time kind of posting things on, uh, on Twitter and, and retweeting stuff from, from other people, uh, with different stats and different bits of, uh, analysis. So a few things that I want to ask you about or a couple of things that I want to ask you about. Um, firstly, now this is a, it's, it's kind of a subject I'm a little bit loath to, Brooch, because there's a lot being said about it, not just in the last 24 hours, but probably since the start of the season, with a lot of different factors as to why people think stuff about it and whatever. But right, Cameron Dawson as Sheffield Wednesday goalkeeper, how is he doing? About par for the course, um, in my mind, and 
he's he's still relatively young. Uh, you can tell by the way he plays that he's uh, still some stuff in his game that needs to develop for him to be a, a good championship goalkeeper because I don't think he's quite there yet. He's he's probably the goalkeeper you'd expect in a team that'll finish around 12th, 15th, which we likely will this season. So in that regard, he's 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 a good fit for us. Um, I see shades of um, I don't I'll, I'll cast your mind back to uh, to when we had Chris Stringer, if you remember him, mm. uh, uh, in goal, and and it's it's a similar thing. Uh, once the uh, the the especially keepers, young keepers break through, they'll be excellent in the beginning, but you'll often see a, a lull in form um, after a while, and and I'm I'm sort of seeing that honeymoon period with Dawson coming a bit to an end because um, I think there are a lot, not just that, I mean, he, he makes, he, he's definitely a good a good keeper at, at uh, reacting uh, and so on, but he's he's just got, he's just got issues with uh, with how he dominates the area. Uh, he's got issues with uh, how quickly he moves. Uh, he definitely improved in that regard against uh, West Bromwich, but, but during the season, he's he's had issues with, with how he, he moves, uh, positions himself and how he moves, how quickly he moves uh, and how he, see, he reads the game. Um, and I think you can also see it spilling into to our defence that that he doesn't actually shout at the defence, telling them where the runs are coming from. Um, I, I played as a goalkeeper, not at a very high level, but but you're you're better positioned as as a goalkeeper than anyone on the pitch to see what the opposition is doing um, with regard to runs and and, and moves uh, they're setting up because the defenders will will uh, will often have, be checking their shoulders and what have you, but the keeper will be able to to see the big picture. Um, I think I think we're seeing signs that he's improving, but the question is, will he actually improve to be a, a top six championship goalkeeper? I probably have my doubts about that, um, and uh, I have to say, in the in the interest of, of fairness, that I'm a bit of a bit of a Wildsmith uh, fanboy, so uh, so so I might be biased <laughs> in that that evaluation. But but um, I I definitely see more a lot more potential on Wildsmith. He he might not be. Um, as a as overall game, he might not be uh, uh, be at the same level as Dawson. I think they're very, very close at the moment. But I think if we were to invest a season of, of game time in Dawson, which is what we effectively are doing, I think it'd be better spent on Wildsmith. I think we'd be we'd be having the better keeper at the end of the season if we did up to Wildsmith rather than to Dawson. Um, and if you look at the stats, and this is just one view, I'm, I've got a lot of grief from people on uh, on Twitter saying that I just just look at the numbers and decide uh, what I'm what I, I think about things, but I see numbers and stats as, as just one way of looking at things, and, and then you, you obviously see the game as well as as, as, as another thing. Um, but if you look at Dawson's uh, stats, I mean, the, again, the, the the term I used have used a few times, expected goals. It's the, the quality of chances he's faced, and, and if you look at the quality of chances he's faced and how many goals he's let in, he's let in exactly as, as many goals as you as you'd expect. Hence, why I say his season so far has been probably par for the course. Now the interesting thing is, if you look at at um, the keeper performances we have have had in the, in the last few seasons, um, if you translate those into uh, to to like the match day ratings, we we sometimes see in the newspapers, you know, the uh, the, the the three to to, to ten score, um, you see uh, like a, an average performance will give a six. So so Dawson's performances this season is probably a six, whereas Wildsmith's performances last season were, if you look at the expected goals anyway, were around an eight. Uh, and Westwoods in uh, in sixteen seventeen was also around an eight, and Westwoods in in fifteen sixteen his his brilliant scenes were were probably as close to to a ten as you can get. Um, and again, I, I think 
if if we're looking for uh, the great keeper that will be a Chihuahua keeper for the next decade, um, I think my money would still be on Wildsmith. And I think this keeper debate, I think we're moving on from from the point of uh, of people arguing about Westwood because nobody knows how good Westwood is anymore. Uh, everyone remembers Westwood from 1516 uh, and 1617 uh, and how good he was. He wasn't very good last season, let's be honest. And I, I, would, I would imagine last season was more of a, of a, of a guide for how good he is uh, now than than, uh, than anything. Uh, and, and I don't think there's any big conspiracy theory. I think Dawson uh, and Wildsmith are in the matchday squad on merit and, and Westwood simply isn't good enough anymore. Um, so... Yeah, very long story. Uh, quite short. Dawson is uh, Dawson is uh, is doing okay, but I think we should probably uh, change the horse. Uh, have you got any other kind of stats that you've picked up on um, in in the last few few days or about the season as a whole? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we the performances we put in. Uh, Again, using expected goals rather than, than the results we've had, um, we, we're quite poorly. We, we're actually the worst team in the, in the, in the division. So there's every likelihood, uh, and I say likelihood, not, not uh, as something that is determined, but just as a likelihood. There's every likelihood that this moment uh, period we're going through is, is, a, is an overperformance and that we'll see a dip in form uh, and dip in results later on in, in the season. Because at the moment, do you remember that season where Rotherham uh, went down um, and conceded something like 100 goals? The the quality of chances they allowed per game that season were, were still uh, were still smaller chances than what we are conceding at the moment, chance wise. So that's a big worry for me. The uh, the, the the ease with with um, other teams breach our defence and, and score goals against us. We're decent going forward, but we're definitely overscoring uh, compared to the to the chances we get um, at the moment, um, and and it's it's not likely that it'll it'll continue. Um, we'll continue to be able to to do that, but there there are teams. Uh, Reading, when they went to the playoff final, actually did that. They they all performed the numbers an entire season. I think if you looked at the expected goals only, they were about twenty second in the division, but they they finished in the playoff spots and 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 almost made and made the way to to, to the Premier League. Um, but again, Reading collapsed uh, the season after and have been poor since. So prob- maybe there's something in these expected goals uh, when you when you're judging teams and and and, and how well they will do in in the future. Um, that that is a lot more telling than than the results. So so the old adage that the, the table never lies it's it's uh, it's it's a myth. Uh, a bit like the the uh, don't look at the, the table until Christmas. Uh, no, no, that's, that's true. That's that's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> wow, shots fired. Don't go there, Peter, please. <laughs> what are you telling us? We're screwed, and we're going to get relegated. Uh, not really. No, not 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 as, not as bad as that. But but there are. I mean, we we we're, we're probably overperforming uh, at the moment, and and we yeah we 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 likely uh, regress during the season if we keep performing as we are. But the West Bromwich game is probably could be a, a turning point. What uh, what that is concerned. Um, I mean, the other point from the, from the stats is uh, is definitely how many goals we're scoring from outside the box. We've scored eight goals from outside the box uh, this season after 11 games. Last season, after 46 games, we'd also scored eight goals from outside the box. Um, and nearly half the goals we've scored this season have come from shots from outside the box, which is an extraordinary statistic if you look at, at other teams. There's no one near us in, in that statistic. And I've gone through the, uh, I think, the last five or six seasons. 
the championship, and there's no no team near that, that statistic. Um, so so it's it's a big anomaly, you could say, or maybe we just it's just the the Adam Reach factor. Um, and and I mean, if if you take seven shots from outside the box this season, uh, one of them is a goal. Uh, that's that's three times as high as uh, as the league average, and and twice as high as, as the second best in that statistic, which is uh, who's, who's Forest. Um, and last, last season we 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 scored uh, when we had 25 shots from outside the box. When we scored one goal, so that's a, a big, big, big change. Uh, and it's it's a question mark whether we can can keep that up. Um, it would be it would be uh, breaking all the records uh, if we kept that up for for the season. Um, and it's probably the, the goals outside the, from outside the box is probably what overshadows the the poor performances because um, they're a bit of a yeah, they're, they're, they're uh, yeah, definitely with reach. It's not a fluke, but it's uh, it's, it's definitely something you can't rely on uh, as as uh, as something you get every game. Um, so so they're probably papering all, papering all the, the the cracks in our in our attacking play a bit. I think Adam Reach is sat listening yeah, to this now, pro- going uh, challenge accepted. He'll be, uh, <laughs> he'll, be he'll, he'll be rubbing his hands, won't he? Sorry, Eddie. Yeah. Go on. There's an important. Ca- Important counterpoint to everything that Peter said, which is absolutely bang on, and um, and I, you know, I really welcome the uh, the influx of analytics that is now inherent in the way that we um, not only watch the game but also uh, kind of disseminate the information. Uh, you know, certainly after the fact about the game that we all love. Um, the counterpoint to that, and the reason why uh, sabermetrics and analytics is not something that can be applied to football in the same way that it can, certainly to baseball and to a lesser extent, um, American football and American sports, which is where all of this uh, originally came from, is that football inherently and um, against the flow of virtually every other sport um, that can be analysed relies disproportionately on luck in the sense that um, upwards of 50% of um, the events that happen in any given game are um, uh, uh, rely more on luck than on um, what any metrics would predict. So I think that's what enables teams like Reading to book the odds, quote-unquote odds, for an entire season. Um, and why there is no reason why Wednesday need to revert to the mean here. I think... Peter's absolutely right that we have overperformed against the metrics, but the metrics in football are inherently much less stable than the metrics in virtually any other sport. And that's why things uh, that we don't expect to happen continue to happen in football. And that's what gives me hope for this season, uh, because we um, we seem to be building a... A head of steam, which in football is possible to do, uh, that belies not only the the failures in execution and the failures in game planning and game management, but also the challenges that we face in terms of the experience and innate ability of our team. And, and I, you know, and and I that leaves me more optimistic, perhaps, than than what the raw analytics would suggest. I actually agree with all that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was nice. That was a nice, nice way to uh, to wrap that little bit up. Uh, right, we've got a bit more Wednesday news that we need to just rattle through uh, before we call things adieu for tonight. Uh, first of all, Player of the Month for September 
in hindsight, probably no surprise about this. So Matt Penny is uh, Player of the Month. Eddie, a deserved winner? Well deserved. I don't think anyone can make a, a case for anybody else being as consistent as him. Um, and also, you know, what a fantastic um, rubber stamping of his performance and the fact that he has, you know, been welcomed into that, you know, that Wednesday fold, um, you know, by the fans, by his teammates. Uh, it's great to see. And this is, you know, let's let's not forget, this is a kid who grew up doing what we do every week uh, and, you know, loving this team. So it's wonderful. Maybe that gives him a little extra edge at the moment. And I hope it, it lasts for as long as possible before he, he becomes more of a cynical pro. Uh, but it's, it is well-deserved. There is no fluke there in Matt winning the Player of the Month. One of my friends said to me the other day that they're they're just a bit concerned at the moment because there's this big kind of Twitter thing about getting him signed up to a new contract that's been going round and then he wins Player of the Month. Just this risk of whether or not he's just getting just this tight. Is 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 it possible that he could end up getting a little tiny bit too big for his boots? So um, yeah, I think just fingers crossed that um, that that Matt stays down to earth, stays um, stays nicely grounded, and becomes the uh, amazing, brilliant footballer that we all know that uh, that he will do. Uh, right, so I want to give a quick mention here for uh, all Wednesday, the screening on Tuesday, the 6th of November. Tickets still available from swfc.co.uk. It's going to be a great night. Uh, Matt, who's the guy that's, that's made the film, I'm sure you've heard us talk about it loads, we're going to be there as well, uh, helping host the evening. It's going to be fantastic. If you've not bought tickets yet, please do, because buying the tickets helps more people elsewhere be able to see the film, which is fantastic. Uh, right then, let's uh, quick look ahead then to the coming game this weekend. And um, firstly, I mean, it's absolutely rubbish. We're playing Bristol City. It's a Sunday at, what is it, half past one? And there's no logical reason for that. It's not on Sky. I can't figure out why. Probably something to do with Bristol being one of those stupid cities where they share the stadium and there's probably like a rugby match or, I don't know, some kind of lacrosse that's going on or something um, something it's stupid. Different time zone, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, I, so think, it, I think they're three hours behind that, in Bristol. That kind of nonsense, yeah. Um, and they're, they're farmers, aren't they? So they have to do things early because they get up at four in the morning. <laughs> Eddie, I mean, Bristol City made a similar-ish start to us. What, what do you expect from this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, bizarrely close in terms of the way their season's gone. They started off terribly. Um, they, they've come back strong. They've had some results against uh, some really good teams, and they've had some um, underperforming, disappointing results against the teams you'd expect them to beat. So, um they they're a dangerous team they they know uh, what this division is about and uh, obviously andreas Weiman is um their top scorer it, it, you know he scored five goals he's not he doesn't strike fear into the heart of defenders so i think it really is about wednesday um probably playing quite compact i think it will be uh, about weathering an early storm because they will almost certainly come out trying to get onto the front foot early. Uh, and, and I think probably you'll see possession statistics that are, again, in the area of you know, 60, 40, 65, 35 in their favour. And it's going to be about what quality we uh, can have on the break. I, I would be very, very surprised if Jos changes from um, his kind of tried and tested away game methodology of, uh, of playing a single striker 
um, with more mobile players uh, running in behind. So, you know, we'll we'll see. I'm quite hopeful with this one. I, I I'm not scared of Bristol. They're a good team, but um, I'm I'm hoping that we'll build on the performance that we did. Uh, against West Brom and and you know we'll come away with at least a point and and hopefully three because that will make an eight point return from four quite testing games which I think we'd all have been happy with uh, going into this run of games. Yep, fair dues. Um, the only thing I'm not looking forward to is the ridiculously long train journey there at stupid o'clock in the morning on um, Sunday. Apart from that. Yeah, should 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 be good. Um, right, so this is the Wednesday week with the Riverside Cafe. That's going to bring us to uh, an end for tonight. Uh, unfortunately, due to some minor technical issues, um, I think Vic's freshest flu has spread from her to her computer, um, and um, she's um, she, she's kind of vanished. She's she's not able to join us for the last little bit. So um, if you want to follow Vic, um, if you don't already, on Twitter at Victoria1867, and uh, you can catch up with all her stuff there. Um, Eddie, where can people find you? Uh, in my day, Fresh's flu is what we call chlamydia, so um, I'm really hoping that that, that hasn't happened. Um, you, <laughs> Just fired. Just fired. Hey. Don't don't at me, freshers. Uh, or, or, or in fact, do at me, freshers, and um, and send news. <laughs> um, I am uh, at Sausage Arms oh, on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, and on Friends Reunited. Uh, let's uh, let's get together. Let's make things happen. Um, Peter, what's your Twitter handle and sexually transmitted disease of choice? Uh, well, Twitter handle is probably the easiest one to to answer. Uh, it's at p l o e h. M-A-N-N, uh, P-Loman. Um, yeah, just all sorts of numbers flying at you, I guess, and uh, commentary on, on Wednesday's things. Um, sexually transmitted diseases. Well, I've not been around the block as, as much as uh, Eddie has, apparently, so um, so I'm not really clued up on, uh, on, on what, what's vogue at the moment. <laughs> so, sorry, I was into those STIs before they were mainstream, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag hip, hipster STIs, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. uh, I'm voting for uh, gonorrhea. It's just got a nice ring to it, you know. It's just nice, nice sound. Probably not the best uh, choice of phrase there. Uh, right then, so you can get me on Twitter at James Marriott. If you're heading to Bristol on Sunday, drop me a line. It would be lovely to say hello and meet for uh, beer. Uh, thank you to Peter for his guest appearance this evening. Thank you to Vic. Thank you to Eddie. And we will uh, well, we'll resume things. One week from now. Keep up to date with the Wednesday Week on Twitter at TWWCast or on our website, thewednesdayweek.co.uk. It's the 90th minute. You've got all your mates round. You've got your McNugget chair boxes coming down the left wing ready to go. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points back of the net. Lubosh. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more information. See you later. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.